Welcome back to the 123rd episode of the Daily Flip Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and today we're going to be flipping through some of the top stories, including two talking about how the Democratic Party may be screwing RFK Jr., and then we'll do one article in the end about crypto. You may have seen that things collapsed a little bit, so we're going to discuss why and what's coming down the pipeline that's affecting the market. And of course, we'll end today with our daily delight. A story meant to leave you feeling positive and ready to take on the day. Now, that's enough rambling for me. Let's jump in to our daily debate. So, we know Joe Biden, current president. Will he get through this primary going into the general election unscathed? Will he have to acknowledge his opponents like RFK Jr. or Marianne Williamson? Or... Will the party be able to successfully shield him from any other candidate and he'll just be able to glide through no problem? I personally believe at some point RFK Jr. or Marianne Williamson, either one, maybe RFK Jr. because of his name recognition or Marianne because of her ability to communicate with the youngins and really connect, I think one of them is going to really challenge him and he's going to have to face up to it. But let me know what you think down in the bottom in the comments section. And let's get into our first article. This one comes from the New York Post. RFK Jr. has the White House sweating, and rightly so. Now, that's a pretty simple headline, but there's a lot to unpack there. They're really afraid of RFK. They're kind of shaking in their boots. That's what it feels like they're trying to say. And... Of course, the Washington Post is a more conservative, more right-leaning outlet. So, of course, they're going to say that. They're going to try to make it seem like Joe Biden's a little bit weaker than he actually is. But let's get into the substance of the matter before I start making comments like that. Quote, RFK Jr. has the White House worried, and rightly so. Boys who shout the empire has no clothes have an impact. So far, the Bidenites are relying on their media allies to mull RFK Jr. political reports. Problem is, the reason the challenger's running at 20% is primary polls has less to do with his last name, even Marianne Williamson, is at 8%, than with President Joe Biden's incredible weakness. Biden's record is beyond atrocious. And at 80, he's showing signs of serious decline. Voters most definitely, including Democrats, know it. So, even someone as flaky as RFK Jr. starts to look appealing. Per the latest CNN SRSS survey, the Prez gets about 60% of support from Dems, a stunningly poor showing for a sitting president and 42% of those say they might ultimately go with someone else, end quote. And this is, you know, this is not good news for Joe Biden. 60% say they're going to go for him, and of those, 42% say that they may go somewhere else. So what, that's a little bit less than 50%, so we'll say maybe 28%, maybe 27% of that 60% could go to another candidate, And then if Marianne or RFK drops, then they get a little bit of support from either of the other candidates. Obviously, 
those people that are voting for either Marianne or would vote for RFK, they're more likely to want someone who is not Biden. That's probably why they're voting for him. So if either one of them was to drop out, those voters would more than likely, a larger majority would go to the other outsider candidate than to Joe Biden. So this does not look good for Biden. And of course, it's really early on in the primary season. So it means that Biden has a lot of time to shore things up. And as a president, he has a lot of things on his plate. So it's understandable that he hasn't been able to go out and rally as much as he wanted to. And it's understandable that you haven't seen as much media coverage of him going out to said rallies. So, of course, people don't have time to really hear his mission as much. The quote that we're going to hear a lot of is, we need to finish the mission. We need to finish the job. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they're like, oh, that sounds good. Um, what's, what's the job we're finishing again? That's the first thing. Those are the first thing I heard from both conservative commentators and from progressive commentators. Kyle Kalinske, Ben Shapiro. The first thing they asked, besides criticizing the actual ad itself, was, so what's the job? You're just saying that you're going to finish the job. You're not giving any policy. You're just saying finish the job. It's a nice platitude, but it doesn't really mean much. And with RFK Jr. polling how he's polling, Biden needs to have a comprehensive policy plan rather than just saying, hey, we're going to finish the job. But it's easy for me to you know, backseat quarterback on his campaign. He obviously knows what he's doing. He made it through the pandemic campaign. He became president of the United States. He obviously has a team around him, but I just think it's interesting. So let's go to why RFK is not perfect, but still highlights some of his better qualities. Quote, again, this is for a candidate full of kooky views. A longtime vaccine hysteric who suggests big pharma's behind the U.S. rise in mass shootings and urges looking at the Ukraine war from Russia's point of view. Then again, Pat Buchanan carried his own far-out baggage when he ran against President George H.W. Bush in 1992, the GOP primary, exposing the incumbent's weakness even as he lost and presaging Bush's loss in November to Bill Clinton. Now, per Gallup, just 18% of Americans, half of the historical average, are satisfied with the country's conditions. CNN finds 41% think Biden's re-election would have been an outright disaster. Another 26% call it a setback. Partly, it's Biden's old man woes, his gaffes, and his physical stumbles, end quote. And then, if we look at this here, what is that? 41 plus 26. 67% of voters do not really agree with Biden's bid for president ending well. That does not look good. And then they do point out something really important here about RFK Jr., which is, yeah, he's got some out there theories. He has been pretty loud and proud about the fact that the domestic intelligence services may have had something to do with his father's death. And I believe he also said that, i sorry, I believe he said that they may have something to do with his uncle's death. And I'm very hesitant to say that he may have said it had something to do with his father's death. But we've heard quotes about the power of the intelligence agencies. Uh, he was just on Jordan Peterson the other day. 
and he was railing against Big Pharma. But there are other characteristics that some people like about him. He really does care about the environment and the way he framed it when he was on Peterson. And I use this as an example because this is one of the times that I actually heard a speech from him besides some of the small ones that got covered on the news channels. He was talking about environmentalism in a way that wasn't negative. He was talking about it in a positive way. And I feel like that's a good way to go about caring for our planet. Rather than making it a doomsday scenario where you have to use fear, he wants to inspire people to love the planet we live on just like he did when he was a young child going out and doing blah, 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 blah. Uh, the messaging itself, you know, he can you can go listen to him say it. But I do like that approach more because it gives a optimism, an underlying optimism rather than a message of fear and vote for me because I'm the only one that can fix it. I'm the only one that will deal with it. It's no, hey, we can come together. And even if I don't get in, you can have a change. You can make the world a little bit better and it can be okay. We just have to try. And I kind of like that messaging. I like a more positive environmental messaging. I don't like the negative environmental messaging because I do agree. I think the environment is very important. I think that at the end of the day, we have to preserve our habitat. It's that simple. But when it becomes a fear-mongering exercise, that's when I distance myself like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't, I'm not going with all of this, this stuff. I'm not going to just give in because of fear. I'll admit that we need to change something, but we're not going to go draconian in order to do it. So, and I think a few people in my generation are that way. A lot of people in my generation are okay with the doomsday environmentalist narrative. But the more, the people that care about this earth, but, you know, are a little bit less worried about it, they don't necessarily have such a negative view. They have the positive view that we can help save our earth if we mitigate right. So I think that's going to appeal to a lot of people. And he could even take off some Republicans across the aisle who are not in the full, no, climate change is not human cause, which that sect of the Republican Party is tiny at this point. That's the appeal RFK has. He has a few positions that are a little bit more moderate, a few conspiracy theory positions, but even those go across party lines. So he could strip some people from the Republicans if he made it into a general election. And I think that's why it's a little scary if you're the Biden team to acknowledge him, because... People may look at him on the Democratic side and say, hey, he may be a little bit kooky, but he's actually pretty electable. He has a lot of independent support when he finally gets into the general election. So let's talk about Biden's real weaknesses and where RFK Jr. and Marianne Williamson can really exploit. Quote, more of it is the record of inflation, soaring gas and energy costs and declining real wages, plus the border nightmare botched Afghanistan bug out, and rising racial, social, and political division. All the problems that Biden's fed when he hasn't directly caused them. Sure, Biden's allies may take down RFK by harping on his oddest views, but that won't stop the challenger from flagging Biden's disasters. And plenty of Democrats will flock to a guy who vows to seal the border, whatever else he says. Heck, the tech titan like Jack Dorsey's may even buy RFK's more wild conspiracy theories. But for now, Biden's campaign will ignore the challenger less to boost his stature, and the party establishment will quash any chance at an open primary debate. But 
no one can fix Kennedy's greatest strength, namely that he's an alternative to a failed president who's looking like he may not even make it to Election Day 2024. Back in 2016, we urged Democrats to find an alternative to Hillary Clinton, the worst major party presidential candidate in living memory, at least. They didn't listen, and look what happened, end quote. And I think that's a very good way to leave it off. Yeah, there was talk about, talk about, talk. Hey, get Clinton off the stage. She's not winnable. And you see some signs here with Biden. There are other things that some Democrats like, but you see the signs. And will they actually listen to their base? Will they listen to their uh, political opponents? Which actually, they probably they probably shouldn't. Their political opponents should probably shut up. They should probably just let Biden go through if they really want to, if they think that their candidates are that electable. But we'll see how it pans out. So we just did one article that was talking about how great, how absolutely amazing RFK Jr. is, or at least how not so bad as Joe Biden is he. Now, we're going to go to our second article. And this one comes from Esquire, and you can tell how snarky it's going to be based on the headline alone. Quote, why ever could it be that Joe Biden doesn't want to debate RFK Jr. and Maryam Williamson? You know, that has a very specific slant to it. Why could it ever be that he doesn't want to debate people that are challenging him on the presidential? Well, maybe because he's afraid? I mean, I know you're being snarky, but maybe I could just answer it that simply. Uh, no, Esquire has a totally different point of view. And let's go to their first quote. And they're highlighting that RFK is just a little bit, a little bit off his rocker. Quote, how much do they want the horse race? I mean, how much do they really, really, really want the horse race? This much from the Washington Post, Indianapolis, Robert F. K. Jr., a candidate for president supported by one in five Democratic voters in some recent polls. You know what they call a candidate with 20% in some recent polls against an incumbent president? Cannon fodder. But please do go on. Quote, he began a recent speech here by recounting the Eisenhower administration's 1960 decision to lie when the Soviets downed an American spy plane by calling it weather research. Then came further alleged deceptions, some proven, some refuted, many just conjecture. Before long, Kennedy was arguing that the 2019 tabletop exercise about a mock pandemic archived on YouTube actually revealed a secret plan involving U.S. spymasters to enrich drug companies and suppress free speech. He then rattled off clinical data from a coronavirus vaccine trial that was not designed to measure mortality, falsely suggesting clear evidence that the vaccines killed more people than they said, end quote. So let's back up here. You may have noticed a few things at the beginning, which is there are a few quotes from the Washington Post article, and every once in a while the author will give a little snide remark, a little quick comment, and I'll try to differentiate the tones just enough so you know where that's happening. But you can hear that the author is not having it. They're like, no, no, not a serious candidate, not happening. And, you know, obviously the situation is a little bit different than 2016. But I want you to think back if you were old enough to remember. Do you remember everybody saying, oh, no, Donald Trump, not a serious candidate, not at all, 
Mm-mm, no way. And of course, the situation was different. There wasn't an incumbent Republican president, and there was a wider field. So just getting 30% of the vote could have been enough to, you know, shoot down the middle and make it towards the end of the primary and come out on top. So obviously it is different. But there have been snide, snarky, really, oh, no, 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 that's not possible comments before. And then exactly what they said wasn't possible happened. So I don't think, I think the media, and I'm saying the media here, not just one person, not just another person, the entire media, and I'm also not saying that everyone in the media does this, but the media needs to stop with this, oh, oh no, 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 no. We know what's going to happen. We know what's going to be determined. We are the insiders. We have information. I've been doing columns on this for 30 plus years. Of course, you can gain some insight about what is likely to happen in political candidacies. But that doesn't mean you can really say anything. Next thing you know, Joe Biden could be on the ground. He could fall again and break his hip. He could make a terrible, terrible gaffe. He could get frozen at the podium while he's speaking and have a medical emergency. And, of course, people would feel bad for him, but they would also run away from him in droves. You cannot pretend that you know what's going to happen. Now, the author is definitely being snarky and saying, yes, RFK has some crazy conspiracy theories, but the fact that they're saying, no, 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 not even a serious candidate. Nope, not a serious candidate. It just makes me frustrated because they're trying to define the narrative and people that don't agree or don't have a current perception or don't have any idea of what's going on and stumble across this article will be like, oh, okay, I guess I won't support RFK. I guess, yeah, he's a little bit little bit crazy. He's not a serious candidate anyway. It's like, oh, why would I vote for the the Green Party when I want, you know, I actually want to affect the outcome possibly. So it's just the defining of the narrative by basically everybody who's coming in and trying to shelter Joe Biden that really frustrates me. So let's go back to another quote from the article. And, you know, this one It's a little bit snarky again, but it's trying to draw connections between the Democrat and Republican primary. Quote, it's a message that has so far allowed Kennedy, 69, to become President Biden's most surprising and successful competitor in the six weeks since announcing a long shot campaign. Notice how they frame it already? Long shot campaign. With only 38% of Democratic voters wanting to see the president as their nominee, Kennedy has polled about as high as the National Democratic primary as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is polling in the Republican one, despite a fraction of the media coverage and little paid advertising. Yes, being a Kennedy always comes with some severe deficit in name recognition. That is the author being snarky again. Quote, the Democratic National Committee has been working with Biden's team to on his re-election campaign and has not engaged publicly with either Kennedy or Marianne Williamson, another Democrat running for president. Democrat officials say that they will not schedule primary debates. Both the Biden campaign and the DNC declined to comment for this article. End quote. They're not even doing debates. How is that okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is not okay at all. It's the same thing when you hear Trump on the other side saying, oh, I might not go to the debates. 
I'm 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 huge right now. I'm not gonna go to the debates. Like, come on, get over yourself. You are not so important. You are not so high and mighty that you cannot get on a debate stage, engage against opponents who have different viewpoints, and make sure that the people know what your platform is. But maybe he doesn't want to engage in debates because all he's running on is finish the job. He's running on platitudes rather than policy, and that is not okay. And I'm sorry if I'm getting loud in your ear. It's just it's so frustrating because... It really is an entitlement mentality. He believes, oh, I'm the president. I'm entitled to get through this primary without any, any opposition. And of course, let's be clear. I understand that there is a deep tradition that the sitting president does not have to face any challengers because he is, in theory, the leader of the party. I definitely get that. But that is something that is respected by people of the party. And if the party breaks, and if they don't respect it, then there's probably a reason. And it is probably because President Joe Biden is weak, and he's doing a terrible job. And there are other people in the Democratic Party that say they can do the job better. Now, the real question then becomes, are you okay with the tradition that kind of boxes out people? I like the tradition. I like the idea of the president being able to go through, be the leader of his party, not face any challengers. I think it's an honorable idea. But it just isn't true anymore. People are going to challenge, and their president's going to have to deal with primary challenges. And I'm sorry if that tradition has gone out the window, but it is the case. And especially when it comes to Joe Biden and what he's been doing, I actually think it's a good thing because he is so old at this point that I'm seriously concerned about him making it through another term. And if he doesn't make it through, guess who the president is? Guess who it is? Say it with me all. Kamala Harris. I don't want Kamala Harris as my president. I don't want her going to Afghanistan. I don't want her going to South Africa. I don't want her going to Iceland, Canada, Ecuador, Guatemala, Brazil, Chile, China, and repeating, in the moment that we live, we seek to define the moment in which we live by defining it through history. And these really weird sentences and gaffes, she does not seem competent either, just in a totally different way. But that's beyond the point. All I'm saying is RFK, Marianne, even though I didn't bring Marianne up much during this, Marianne, RFK, they're serious challengers. The Biden team needs to sit down, and if they really think that they can beat them, beat them on the debate stage, beat them on policy. Don't just assume that you have the right to be the Democratic candidate. But I don't think that will happen. And based on how snarky this Esquire writer is, they really do believe they're entitled to the primary being ready for the general election, and they're probably not going to take on anybody. But let's see if RFK or Marianne can really make a dent. All right, let's jump to our last article. This one comes from the New York Times. Crypto crackdown, Coinbase and Biance lawsuits shake markets. So if you own any crypto assets, you probably saw the price go down pretty rapidly over the last few days. And if you don't 
earn or don't have any crypto assets, then you probably didn't even know this was happening unless you already read news about it. But there are two lawsuits going through, one against Binance, one against Coinbase. But I'll leave it to the New York Times to really illuminate the situation. Quote, in more blows to the cryptocurrency sector, two of the biggest players were sued this week by the Securities and Exchange Commission. On Monday, the agency filed charges against Binance, the world's biggest exchange, and the next day it accused Coinbase, the only publicly listed exchange in the United States, of violating securities law. The SEC's chair, Gary Gensler, has long insisted that most crypto tokens are securities and therefore fall under the agency's jurisdiction. Many digital assets enthusiasts, including some regulators and lawmakers, say Gensler is overreaching. There are notable similarities between this week's cases. These week, this week's cases. The SEC accuses both Binance and Coinbase of operating securities exchanges and selling digital assets that it says should have been registered. But there is a difference. They are actually going after Binance for fraud, or at least they're going after the CEO for fraud for transferring some of the assets from Binance to another company that he owns. And some people are like, oh, that sounds a little fishy. Is it like like FTX? Uh, Right now, we don't know. I don't think it's like FTX. I don't see the same funneling off of money and just creating new tokens out of nowhere, but I'm not an expert. I'm not sitting there with all the case files. I'm not reading everything, but I'm not trying to build hysteria either. I don't think that it's exactly like FTX, but they're going after the founder for fraud as well as part of their suing of Binance. So we'll see how this one pans out. Now, the question is, is cryptocurrency a securities? Well, is it a security or is it a commodity? This is the big battle that has been going on throughout Washington. And to be honest, all of these companies who have lobbyists, they're trying to, some are trying to push for it to be a security so it can be very easily defined and regulated so that they don't get in trouble and then they don't have to worry about certain, you know, loopholes or they can have guidance on certain key issues and then also have clear tax rules going forward. Or some people want it to be, a commodity, so it can't be so strictly strictly regulated, which is, you know, the big part about a lot of cryptocurrencies is it's a way around direct regulation or control from the government. And, of course, you know, most of the ledgers are completely public for these cryptocurrencies, so they could still go and see what you're doing with it, but at least they couldn't tax you directly on it and it could be treated like a good that's being sold back and forth, where they're not looking at every single thing you do with it, rather just the acquiring and selling of it. So there's lots of discussions here, and this case is really, really scary, because it essentially is arguing, it's a judicial way of arguing, that the assets that are on the books at Coinbase and Binance are actually securities. So before the legislator has enough time to actually sit down and write it into law, Gary Gensler is trying to say, oh, no, no, we're going to have a court decision that tells us what it really is. And you know that these crypto companies, they have a lot of assets, and they're probably going to fight it if they don't like the outcome, if they don't like it being called a security. And if that's the case, then they'll probably push it up to the Supreme Court. And I'd like to see how that one goes. Because I'll actually read you this last quote from the article. 
that really highlights the opportunity here that is given to these companies with the Supreme Court in the state that it's in. Quote, but lawmakers don't all share the sense of urgency and regulation may be slow. The enforcement actions could play out before any bill is passed, leaving hotly debated questions to the federal courts. From the industry's perspective, that indirect path may end up working out. The Supreme Court has shown a willingness to limit agency power, and crypto lobbyists are very aware of the implications. In the next term, the justices will reconsider a doctrine that currently requires courts to defer to agency expertise, which may further curve administrative authority. Quote, we're seeing the potential of erosion of one of the major tenets of our jurisprudence and a possible change in the scope of authority of administrative agencies, end quote, said Sheila Warren, chief executive of Crypto Council for Innovation, a Washington lobbying group that represents Coinbase and others. She added, quote, it's going to be wild, end quote. And this is true. If it does make it up to the Supreme Court, who has been very anti-overreach, who has been very anti-regulation that encroaches upon consumers and Americans from these agencies that have been set up by the executive or have been set up by the legislator, who can basically just not write laws, that's not quite that simple, but they can write rules and regulations that have enforcements like laws and can dictate what people can do with their lives without having to be approved by a majority of Congress and signed into law by the president, they have been very anti these regulations. So if this makes it up to the Supreme Court, the SEC may get nipped in the butt. They may get screwed trying to come for this case. Or maybe that's their whole point. Maybe they're trying to force the hand of lawmakers who don't want it to be a commodity, who know that once it gets to the Supreme Court, it will probably be treated as a commodity rather than a security. And they're trying to really force the hand of those lawmakers to start putting into place regulations or laws that define this. Maybe this is the SEC's way of saying, hey, we do not want to be in limbo on this issue. Hey, Congress, make up your darn mind, please. Come out. If you want it to be a security, let's make it a security. If you want it to be a commodity, let's make it a commodity. Let's stop having this push and pull between the SEC, who wants it to be a security, and the CFTC, I believe, is the agency that wants it to be a commodity so that they could get a little bit of tax money off of it. So we'll see how this all pans out. And honestly, it'll probably go to the Supreme Court, and I'm excited for that decision because if it goes the way that I think it does, it may be very good for crypto markets, at least temporarily, until the people who want government control will step in and make a law about it. All right, let's jump to our last article, our daily delight. This one comes from Petapixel. Sleepy Bear falls asleep in front of a trail camera. So imagine being so skilled as to know all the signs of where a bear is going to be at a certain time and place and to put a camera just in the right spot. Quote, YouTuber Jason Miller struck gold when the bear decided to settle down for a snooze directly in front of the trail camera he set up near Vail in southern Arizona. In the comments on YouTube on the YouTube video, Miller revealed that he had picked the spot to set up the trail camera after spotting marks on the tree. End quote. And he did edit down this footage. It was initially about four hours, but he turned it into a quick four-minute video. Quote, the YouTube comments are full of praise from the capture with Miller admitting that he was excited when he reviewed the footage on his YouTube page. 
Miller out Jason Miller Outdoors is filled with remarkable footage of all types of creatures filmed on trail cameras in southern Arizona. End quote. If you want to see the four-minute video or you want to see any of the cute photos or read any of today's articles, there'll be a link in the description below that like and subscribe button. Also down there, you can find the link to the podcast on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Podvine, as well as the Twitter link at Your Daily Flip. I'm currently posting Twitter tirades, really informal, not necessarily news debate. They're Twitter-exclusive content that go out on Tuesday and Thursday, at least that's the plan for now, at 12. And you can go there, quick 10 minutes, where, you know, you just hear my opinions on certain issues that a little bit more cultural, a little bit more poppy, not necessarily news about politics. And if you want to hear it, go to Twitter at, at your daily flip. And with all that said, there's only one more thing to say. Stay safe. Don't die.